success. How do you define it? Better yet, how do you achieve it? Introducing 505 Success, a podcast showcasing the business leaders of New Mexico who continue to strive for success in the land of enchantment. Listen and learn from these leaders, entrepreneurs, and innovators as they discuss the challenges they have overcome, how others can find their success, and how New Mexico can continue to grow and prosper. The 505 Success Podcast is brought to you by Exhibit. You only have 3.8 seconds to gain the attention of your audience while exhibiting at a trade show, event, or conference. At Exhibit, we design and produce great-looking graphics and exhibits to get you noticed. We also teach you all those hidden secrets of how to save money while at a show, along with some best practices. Call now, 828-0574, or visit us on the web, exhib-it.com. Okay, here recording a podcast with Barbara Klein. Uh, Barbara, thank you for being on the 505 Success Podcast today. Oh, it's my pleasure, Roger. I really, I'm really excited about talking to you. Okay, well, uh, like I said, glad to have you on. Uh, before we get really into the interview and, and what you do, why don't you tell our audience about who you are and exactly what you do? Well, I am a commercial realtor and also a business broker. And what I do is I help business owners with some of the critical questions and issues that they have to deal with as business owners. Where they're going to put the business, how much they're going to invest in it, how they're going to get something out of it on the far end of the deal. And I think that's fascinating. I always love talking to you about it because I met you shortly after I started my business. But before we dig into that, you know, when we were talking, exchanging emails about getting together, you shared with me a little bit about your background. And commercial real estate and business development wasn't where you started. No, it's probably like my fourth or fifth career, which is... (laughs) Which I find fascinating. I love people who have multiple careers because for me like it's very hard like, i've had several different careers and i look uh-huh. back at it and I, you think it's such a big shift but the, sometimes it's just life happens and that's the way it is so how did you what have defined in broad strokes your career how did you find your way to what you do now well it it really is kind of an interesting thing and i amaze myself when i go back and look at it i put myself through college to get a liberal arts degree in sociology by programming what then passed for computers and when i graduated i couldn't find work in sociology so i was offered a job uh, managing a computer a computer operation and uh, that led to being a programmer on Intel microprocessors, which were pretty new at the time, and very different from programming an IBM computer, but hey, who cares? Um, And that led to a six-year career at Intel where I helped them put together something called a development system, uh, which was a methodology for programming microprocessors. And uh, uh, about the most similar thing I can say is it's a lot like what a PC is like today. Um, That led to some work in Europe and a marketing career. And that was because I felt that it was really important to be able to translate the difference between technology and the people that were using it. 
did that for a long time in Silicon Valley, which I enjoyed tremendously, but life led me to New Mexico in 1999, actually. We were here for the turn of the century, which was quite exciting since nobody was quite sure what that was going to uh, be like, and, and the controversy was hysterical. I mean, it, it, as kind of a techie, I wasn't too terribly worried, but it was an interesting time. Um, in New Mexico, I spent more time working on community development, economic development, things like that. Um, got involved in Corrales Main Street uh, early on and have just really been excited about helping the business community in New Mexico. And that's what actually led to the commercial real estate. Um, a colleague of mine suggested that maybe what I wanted to do is get a license and come work with him and I did. And it has just been wonderful. You know, it, to a certain extent, I feel like uh, everything that I did before was actually preparation for this. I think the, and, you know, as, as a component of that, uh, at the same time, I had an opportunity to uh, get a certification in business brokerage, which I found equally fascinating. I love having the two skills together. Um, and there's a lot of technical stuff behind that, but I love having the two skills together because I think it makes me uh, able to provide more valuable information to the clients that I work with. So how exactly would you say that the, your diverse background, because that's quite a diverse background. Yeah, like it is. <laughs> working in tech, then going across these, working in marketing, coming here and then getting into commercial real estate and then business development. How has everything that you've done, like how perform, how you work and operate today? Well, as a both a techie and a tech marketer in Silicon Valley, I learned the importance of doing things effectively, efficiently, and with an eye towards the greatest benefit for the client. Um, and the greatest benefit, by the way, in my lexicon is optimizing results rather than maximizing results because maximizing results suggests that you aren't looking at the whole picture. You've got one thing out of everything that the client needs that you want to get the most of. Uh, whereas most business situations are much more complex than that and you really have to balance the different components, you know, like how quickly do you need to get something done? Um, you know, what is the demand for whatever it is that you're doing, which could be anything from selling your business to identifying uh, the piece of property that you want to look at. Like, you know, industrial property is pretty tight in New Mexico right now. And if your objective is to buy or sell that, it's going to look different than possibly some other types of real estate that are out there. So, you know, the, the background was all about optimizing. I think, you know, in terms of other things, I've learned a lot. Uh, getting involved in the business community in New Mexico, I think, was very useful. It was a very different environment from California, and I loved learning what is almost like what I would call a new language, you know, a new language of business here. And um, I also have been investing in commercial real estate for quite a number of years. And so I had a little bit of the background. It was kind of like... 
part of part of my study was like, oh yeah, got that, got that, got that, and part of it was, oh my gosh, I never realized. So it, it's been a, a wonderful trip, and I'm I'm really enjoying it. I love it. So let's transition to your business. So, uh, what what is your business right now? Uh, right now, I am an associate broker and a business broker with Absolute Investment Realty. This is a boutique investment realty real estate agency. Excuse me while I stumble over my words. A boutique investment real estate agency here in uh, Albuquerque, uh, founded by Alfredo Berenikia. And it is a phenomenal collaborative group that I just absolutely love working for. And I feel like, you know, what we're able to do for clients is just absolutely outstanding. I remember uh, speaking with you shortly after you got to this, to Absolute Real Estate, and just how excited you were to be a part of it. I mean, you were talking so glowing about it, and it looks like that hasn't uh, shined off the least bit. So that, that says something about it. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's great. Yeah, like I said, when we were, um, as I alluded to before, we were going back and forth and getting information on how to set up this interview. And I was reading some of the stuff that you had sent me. And in it, you uh, you were right. You wrote something about the three golden rules. Can you elaborate on what those are? Better <laughs> audience, what those golden rules are according to you? Absolutely. Well, these these are the three golden rules for creating a successful and saleable business. Um, as a business broker, I get to see talk to a lot of people who are interested in selling their business. And one of the big mistakes that business owners make is not thinking about the impact of selling their business until it's time to get it done, you know? And um, what, in, in my feeling, you know, I feel like when you start a business is really one of the best times to think about how you're going to end the business. Um, because the decisions you make along the way are going to impact what the value of that company is. And so I have a presentation called, Is It a Job or a Business? There's a lot of people who either buy or create a business, and they, um, they do it because basically they want to create an income stream. And they may not care. They may be, you know, doing something that they enjoy doing. They don't want to grow. They don't want management responsibilities. And this kind of business is great while it lasts, but its ability to provide uh, an asset that is saleable is pretty low. I mean, some sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. If you found your business under the idea that you want to build something that somebody else can walk into and and run and pay you a high price for, you know, you have to have a bunch of things in place. So my three golden rules are if you're thinking about your business as an investment, as an asset that you're trying to build, first, you want to balance short-term income goals with long-term investment objectives. Second, you want to market for growth. Uh, that means sitting on your laurels doesn't work. You want to look at how how you're going to build the business, how you're going to make it scalable so that you can bring other people in. And the final thing is to make yourself dispensable. If you've got a company named after yourself and you are the figurehead of the company and you are the only one that the clients ever see, it's going to be really tough to replace you. 
Roger here, taking a moment from the podcast to welcome a new sponsor, SmartSpider.net. SmartSpider.net is your resource to connect with experts in business, not-for-profit, and lifestyle disciplines. All searches are free and contracts are between the professionals and clients with no additional fees to SmartSpider.net. Their professionals can help you get more done and use your time wisely. Their local boat reaches national and international. Benefits to joining SmartSpider.net include free mastermind, free mentoring, monthly mixers, monthly Ask It Bros, calendar events. Like them on Facebook. For further information, call Jane Bradley at 505-332-0419. Again, that's Jane Bradley at 505-332-0419. SmartSpider.net. Find experts simply. I love that I that concept that last one specifically because I see so many businesses where the, the owner of the business is so tied to the value of what they provide that it's like if you ever want to get out or really have that long-term success, it's going to be tough because once if you're not there, there's no value. So you really take the value away from your brand and specifically your employees because right. you kind of take a lot of power from them. Absolutely. And one thing that I always remember, and I, I heard it from you, we met at a networking group that met for lunch. And one of the things I remember, I think it was one of the times you spoke or you, sp- you talked to me at, afterwards. It stuck with it. I don't remember exactly when it was, but you said, always operate your business like you're getting ready to sell it. Yep. And I was very early on. It's like one of those things, you know, how a kid had learned something at a very young <laughs> age. And I remember that because I felt like, you know, I've been in this learning stage, it's running my business. I'm like in an infancy. Because one thing that stuck with me, and it's actually something that I repeat when I talk to people and I meet with them. I say, like, how are you, how are you, how would you ever plan to sell your business? Because when it comes to marketing, that impacts it a lot because how you present yourself, because even though you may not be selling your business, you're making a sales pitch to your potential clients. And it's almost the same thing because if you can't sell your business to potential customers or clients, you're definitely not going to be able to sell it to a potential buyer. Absolutely. So I love those three golden rules. So keep that in mind. If you keep these golden rules in mind, you're going to be able to sell your, and not only sell your business, but you're going to, be able to sell it to your potential customers or clients. Um, another thing you mentioned in the article or the stuff that you wrote to me was anticipating the unexpected. I think as a business owner, this is one of those things that's the hardest thing to do. How do you go about anticipating the unexpected? Well, me personally, um, probably has to do with the same things uh, that I tell clients is, you know, life does not work exactly as planned a lot of the time. And when I talk to clients about, you know, selling a business, I will often hear, well, uh, my husband got a new job, we're moving out of state, and so I have three months to sell this or I've got to close it. Uh, you hear, uh, I didn't intend to retire for another 10 years, but I'm getting a divorce and my spouse wants the distribution and I don't have cash, so I'm going to have to sell the business. Or, you know, more tragically, I am ill, have been ill for years. The business has been going downhill for years and now I have to sell it. Uh, in all of these cases, you are not going to get the optimum amount of money for it. And most definitely, you aren't going to get the maximum amount of money that you could get for it. Uh, so when you talk about 
always planning for the unexpected. It goes back to you know the advice that you have remembered, and I really appreciate that, uh, which is that you know you you want to start from day one thinking about what the value of that business is going to be. That way, you know, hopefully you won't have only three months to sell it because unless you've got an infrastructure behind it, it's just not going to happen. But if you really plan for sale, you probably do have an infrastructure. You probably have somebody in place who can continue to manage the company while you do it from afar, while we get the company sold. Uh, if you have to, you know, sell the company because of a divorce, it's not necessarily going to sell quickly, but it's going to sell at a greater value than, you know, if you're looking around and trying to find the tax return for two years ago and, and whether you actually filed your GRT for the last couple of years. So, you know, it, it's critical. And and the last one, the, the really tragic one for me, which is when someone's gotten ill and tried to hang on to their business is, first of all, it is to be hoped that there is management in place that can keep the company going while you're addressing this issue. But the second thing is, it is so very heartbreaking to talk to somebody three, four, five years after they have initially gotten ill. They didn't have anybody in place. The business has shrunk dramatically in value at a time when, for most people, it would be really great if they could get as much money as possible out of it because they've got expenses and challenges that they have to deal with. That's some, that's some really uh, good advice. So I want to change gears and talk about the challenges of building a business. And you've done that several oh, yes. times <laughs> over. So uh, as you know, and I'm probably – even as someone as veteran as you when it comes to starting a business, it could be a very scary proposition no matter how many times you start it. Uh, how do you push past those fears and get to a point where you're on that path to success and, and abiding by those three golden rules? Well, I think that's a great question. And I think it requires a certain consciousness early on in um, starting a business um, there is a book called The E-Myth, which has been updated to The E-Myth Revisited, that I suggest that everybody read because the author outlines um, a, a typical business pattern, which is you decide you like to do something. You like to cook. You like to build computers. You like to, I don't know, work out eight hours a day. And you start a business around something that you're technically capable of doing. And those management concerns and all that, they aren't really your, your thing. And so you don't really worry about them a lot. And then down the line, all of a sudden you discover that you don't have something saleable, blah, 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 blah. So, you know, I think that in, in starting a business, it really is important as early as possible to start thinking what the end goal is. And that gets back to that, quote, job type thing. If, if what you want to do is make a decent income for 20 years and, you know, possibly put something away out of your earnings, but definitely not have a big balloon asset at the end that you're going to be able to capitalize on. That's great. It's called the lifestyle business. But if you are depending on it for retirement, and here is a, an interesting statistic that I 
think is important for business owners to know. And that is, uh, there was a survey done a couple of years ago by the Financial Planning Association, and they surveyed the clients of financial planners, okay, because being a financial planner in this is really important, and 78% of their small business owner clients plan to sell the business to fund 60 to 100% of their retirement. Again, this is the financial planning organization because the other half of that question was, have you a written succession plan? And the answer was less than 30% have one. Wow. So you can, you can see that <laughs> reality needs to strike a little bit sooner in the hearts of a lot of business owners. <laughs> that is true. So uh, let's move on to one of my favorite questions I ask everyone is, how do you define success? How do I define success? Well, I think there are a lot of different ways, but, you know, first of all, success means that I've got enough money to live in a style that I want to live in. Not necessarily that I become a millionaire or a billionaire, but that I'm taking care of my needs and don't have to think every single day about what's going to happen. But that's only kind of a, a secondary or collateral goal, because what makes me feel successful is when I have a client, we have identified the optimum solution for them. You know, clients will come in and say, this is what I want to do. And when we sit down and talk, it could be that there are some different paths that they want to look at before they make a decision. If we put an idea together like that and then we make it happen, whether it's finding them a building, selling their building, uh, finding the perfect place to lease for the right amount of time, or buying or selling a business. That makes me feel really, really good. And backing up from that even is when I give this talk, is it a job or a business? I love it when I see lights go on in my audience and people come up afterwards and go, wow, I got it. I really see what's going on. And these are the people that I hear from one, three, five years later, uh, like you, for example, <laughs> where I really made an impact that's going to make a difference in their satisfaction and in their financial well-being. That's amazing. That's great. Um, so I'm shift to uh, New Mexico and what you've been in New Mexico for about two decades now. Yep. And so what makes New Mexico such a special place to operate a business? Wow. I, I love that question because it, it's fascinating essentially. I think New Mexico, you know, aside from being a land of enchantment, is also a land of opportunity. And it has been fascinating being here for 20 years and watching how New Mexico has evolved and at the same time how we've been able to, you know, maintain a personality that is very uniquely New Mexico. So, you know, what I love about New Mexico is, you know, it's practically one degree of se separation. I, I love, you know, the accessibility of people in New Mexico. I love the fact that one of the things that I was told when I first got here was that you absolutely put your picture on any advertising or any business cards or anything you did because people really work with people here. Uh, I think the challenges are that... Uh, there are, there is infrastructure that we're still building. 
uh, and that's infrastructure in, in the job market and the availability of workers for specific industries and uh, a variety of different factors which comes from, you know, being a smaller state, having things more spread out and not having the, the dynamic that you find like, for example, in Silicon Valley. Uh, a lot of our businesses here are very local. There are some that are out there that are national and international, but if, if you really look at the percentage of businesses that are that versus the percentage of businesses who see their market as Albuquerque or central New Mexico or New Mexico as a whole, it, it's an area, an opportunity for growth. And watching how the different groups are coming together in order to uh, create additional opportunities while holding on to what makes us unique is is wonderful, and I'm thrilled to be a part of it. Well, that's a great answer. I love that. So we want to end with this question. It's the question all interviews with is, and you could probably speak more to this than most of our clients, or, uh, sorry, most of our guests, is most businesses fail within the first three years. And you've given a lot of advice so far. But if you could drill down to one piece of advice for someone who's starting a business or thinking about starting a business and how they could reach years three, four, and five and beyond, what would that one piece of advice be? Make sure you have adequate capitalization in a business plan. It's two pieces of advice, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that one of the main reasons why business fail, businesses fail is because they don't have enough money to do what they need to do. They start out on a shoestring, and when it comes time to invest in the infrastructure, which is going to support growth, often they don't have it, and often they aren't positioned to get it. Um, and I, that is an absolutely critical part of it. The business plan part of it, first of all, a business plan is necessary if you're going to get somebody to give you money in just about every circumstance. And second, it gives you a roadmap that you can do check marks on so that you can see how you're doing against, you know, your ideal situation as far as growth is concerned. I had some great advice. Well, you know, Barbara, I, I could talk to you about this for hours. I love the topic. You're so informed about this, and you're just really fun and nice to talk to. And <laughs> I've always enjoyed talking to you, and uh, if, if you get me going, we'll be here for hours. But uh, for our audience sake, I think we better end it here. Uh, I want to thank you so much for being a guest. This has been a true pleasure. I've been looking forward to this uh, for quite some time now. Uh, why don't you let our audience know how they can get in touch with you? Absolutely. Uh, my phone number is 505-720-6593. That's 505-720-6593. My email address is Barbara, and I spell it the old-fashioned way with seven characters, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, at go, which is G-O, hyphen, absolute, a-B-S-O-L-U-T-E dot net. All right. Well, do yourself a favor and call Barbara. If you have any questions about commercial real estate, about owning a business, running a business, selling your business, if you have any questions, really do yourself a favor. Talk to her. I'm sure, I promise you, you'll get something out of it. Barbara, again, thank you so much for being a guest. We appreciate your time and your expertise. Well, thank you, Roger, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Uh, stay tuned next week uh, for another great episode of the 505 Success Podcast.
Hello everyone, wanted to take a quick moment to talk to you about the 12th annual B2B Expo hosted and produced by our name sponsor, Exhibit. This year it is going to be on April 23rd, 2019 from 4 to 8 p.m. That is the main event. Before that, they have round tables from 2 to 3.45 p.m. Now, if you've been to this event, you know the value of it. There is a ton of great networking opportunities. And if you have not been to this event, you really should consider attending. You could RSVP now to save. Additionally, if you're interested in getting involved in sponsoring, they have diamond sponsorships available as well as platinum sponsors. So you want to contact them if you're interested in that. You could also choose to exhibit and promote your business and get a ton of positive exposure from nearly a thousand people i i bet i would venture that they're going to cross a thousand visitors uh this year i've been to the two previous ones i've had a blast at each one and i've made a boatload of contacts in the community and even gotten several leads off of them and both years so this is a very good event to go it, it again it is on april 23rd 2019 at the Isleta Resort and Casino. For more information, you could go to the B2B website, which is b2bexponm.com. You could also call 505-828-0574 or toll free 1-877-964-1965. So again, you're gonna want to attend or be a part of the B2B Expo this year. It's the 12th year they're doing it. A great networking event. It is the Cat Miss event of the year here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. We will see you there. Thank you so much for listening to the 505 Success Podcast, the business leaders of New Mexico brought to you by Exhibit. Please join us next week for a new episode with someone else on how they've grown success in their business and how you can do it too.